Today is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, we had our wonderful Holy Spirit teaching on Friday night. Thank you for that, Dion. We are all very uh, much stretched and encouraged by uh, your input there. And I know Dion's got plenty of good things to share with us and impart to us this morning. So I'm just going to hand it over to you. Glad you're here. Welcome. Take your time. Do whatever you want. Do whatever God wants. And uh, let's have some fun. That's good. Thank you, Mark. Uh, thank you for uh, having me this morning. It's always a pleasure to come here. Thank you for those good hamburgers and hot dogs last night. <laughs> she, she barbecued, that's right. <laughs> um, that was, I always go, I'm not going to eat too, too much and then I leave and I know I ate too much. You know, but that's good. I hope you have the same spiritual hunger. You know, you come to church and take more what you, than what you expected to take. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. So uh, do this with me. Will you just turn to the person next to you and just say this, neighbor? Uh, I need everybody to say that. Say, neighbor. neighbor. I'm so glad. I don't look like you. <laughs> amen. <laughs> You're not sitting next to anybody. So, so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, today we're going to get, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Pentecostal Sunday because it is Pentecostal Sunday. So let's open up our Bibles. We're going to start in, in Acts chapter 2, which is that very well-known passage. And one of the things that I have found, um, two things that most Christians struggle with. The first one is immaturity. I didn't get any amens on that. So I know I'm right. <laughs> See, for, for most Christians, it's not a heaven-hell issue. It's just a maturity issue. You know, and um, the other one Christians struggle with is identity. Because uh, you get born again, you get safe, you get spirit-filled, and then you don't really understand why you got it. And then you get selfish and all your prayers about you, what God wants need to do for you, and you forget about that was really about the bigger picture. And so uh, what I'm going to try and do today is I want to give you a little bit of history for, for Pentecost. I asked Mark last night, should I preach or should I teach? And he said, you can do whatever you want. And so this morning, I was actually last night, I, I went to bed and I was reading, and there was something I wanted to preach about. And uh, how many of you know Luke 24, the two men on the way to Emmaus? Uh, I, wanted, I thought maybe I should talk, preach about that because I love to live myself into these stories. Uh, I don't know if you do that. Um, just, just give you an example. John chapter 5, the, the layman next to the pool. Have you ever read there the sicknesses that they mention? They say that there was many lame, paralyzed, and blind. And then whenever the angel stirred the water, whoever gets in first gets healed. But the question is, how does the blind see it? And how does the lame get there? So I like to live myself in the story. Go like, that's unfair. Isn't that unfair? Like, every time God moves, somebody else gets a touch. <laughs> like, if it was me, I'd make a line. Go, dude, you got to wait your turn. Next turn is mine. Is that right? I can't see, but I know my turn is coming around. So I like to live myself into these stories. But uh, anyway, so uh, a lot of Christians don't understand Pentecost and what the purpose was behind Pentecost. So I've got to give you some 
little bit of some history, some of Israel's history for us to get to Acts chapter 2. Because it's really, really important that you understand that. So, in Israel, there was three feasts. There was the Passover feast, which was the first feast of the year, in, uh, uh, which was also the beginning of their year or their, their, their uh, celebration. And what they celebrated in the Passover feast was when God brought them out of Egypt. You remember the story? When God brought them out of Egypt? Then the next feast was Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. Are you still tracking with me? All right. Do you want me to give you all the scriptures, or can I just tell you some of the stories? Tell you the stories. And then the third feast was Feast of Tabernacles, which also included the Day of Atonement. So those were the three major feasts in Israel. Now, why is that so important? So let's go to just the first one. Let's go to Passover. Because in Passover, something really interesting happens. Can, can we go to Exodus chapter 12? I know I said Acts chapter 2. We'll get to Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Exodus chapter 12. Because uh, that's where God tells Moses about the Passover. And there's a couple of things that I don't want us to miss. That we, I want us to get in there. So you have your Bible open in Exodus chapter 12. And let me just read a couple of verses there. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. Can you see that? It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man should take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbors next to his house, there's church, Take it according to the number of people or persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So uh, I'm going to grab my board here because I want you to see what's happening here. Let me grab the black pen. So when we look at Passover, God said to Moses, um, on the tenth month of that first month, on the tenth of that first month, what do you need to find? You need to find a lamb. Now here's the interesting thing, because when John sees Jesus, he says to the people, "There is the Lamb of God." Everything you're going to read here was a shadow of what Jesus would fulfill in his life. Because they had to kill a lamb to cover the blood. Jesus would come as the lamb of God and not cover our sins, but remove our sins. But here's what he says. On the tenth, day, tenth of that day, you shall pick a lamb. Then you have to inspect it for how many days? Four days. So that is the 14th. Now, on that night of the 14th, now what you have to understand here is that Israel's day begins at 6 o'clock in the evening. Did you know that? I mean, even today in Israel, their day starts like when they have Shabbat or Sabbath. It starts at 6 in the evening till 6 the next day or the next evening. So it's not like us where it starts at midnight. Are you all still tracking with me? So at twilight, at that 
14th day that evening, what they had to do is the father had to kill that lamb and then take the blood and apply the blood to the doorposts. And then everybody had to come into the house because that very same night, what would happen is God will send a, 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 a destroyer in, an angel, that will come in and kill all the firstborn of Egypt. But here's the interesting thing, because that very same night, they had to be ready and packed, because after that happened, they had to leave Egypt. So you get 14, and then when they leave, it is the 15th day of the month, of the first month that God says to them, this is so what day did Israel come out of Egypt? On the 15th day of the first month. Because that Passover was killed that, that night, and then the next day they left. All right. Now, here's something interesting that happened. Let's go to, uh, and, and I wish I could just talk about that, because that whole household had to consume the whole lamb. So when they left Egypt that night, there was a piece of the lamp in every one of them. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because Jesus is the Lamb of God. And when you get born again and we just had communion, we partake of Him. That's His flesh and His blood. That's a symbol of that. So there's a piece of the lamp in every one of us. Hello? <laughs> Okay, so now this happens. Let's go to Exodus chapter 19. Because this is a crazy story. I, I love to read through these stories. Because um, they leave Egypt and uh, they're going to come to Mount Sinai now. So this is the first place. Because Exodus chapter 3 is where Moses comes to Mount Sinai and God appears to him in a burning bush. And God says, go back because you're going to deliver my people. And then God says that you will come back to this mountain. Say so they're at Mount Sinai. Let me just write this somewhere. Mount Sinai. That is the mountain of God. All right? Now, let's go to Exodus chapter 19. And it starts like this. I want you to quickly read a couple of verses with me. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. Now, what we have to realize, how many days does your month have currently? 30? What's next month? 31. Did you know that in the Hebraic calendar, all the months are 30 days? Did you know that? They have a different calendar than we have. We have the Gregorian calendar. They don't. They are on God's timeline. So they have 30 days in each month. That's how the year pans out. So... On the beginning of the third month. So here's halfway through the first month. Are you still with me? So they left on the 15th. So how many days left in that month? 15 days. Okay, now they come to Mount Sinai. Let me read it. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. So on the first day of the third month, they came to Mount Sinai. So the second month had how many days? 30. And now they come to the third month. That is 45 days. Can you see that? Can everybody see that? So 45 days after they left Egypt, 
they come to the mountain of God. Now here's something that's going to happen. Let me read it. Verse 2, For they departed from Rephidim, came to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain, and Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him uh, to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children. So they get here uh, 45 days later, and what, what does God do the next day? He calls Moses up on the mountain. He says, come up here, I need to talk to you. So it's another day. And you can go and read, because God says to him here in verse 5, if you obey my voice, you shall be a special treasure, you'll be a kingdom of peace. You know that scripture. And then Moses goes down, and he tells the people, um, verse 7, so Moses came and called to the elders of the people. So he went up on that day, and then he came down after God talked to him. But then verse 8, then all the people answered together and said, all the Lord had spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. So the next day, here's another day, Moses goes back up to God and says to God, here's what the people say. And then God says this to Moses on that second day, verse 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day so God says so when Moses went up the second day God says in three days from now something is going to happen so if I add the 45 plus 1 is 46 47 plus 3 is so 50 days after they left Egypt God is going to come down on Mount Sinai and give them the law are you still tracking with me so 50 is also the number of Jubilee, Pentecost, but also Jubilee in the Bible. So when Jesus died, after he raised, he appeared to them for 40 days, and then he says, now go and wait until you are endued. And when Pentecost came, Pentecost was 50 days after Jesus' death because he was our Passover lamb. That same night that they killed the lamb, Jesus bread this is my body this is my blood I'm, I'm trying just to give you a picture or a pattern here that's really important so here's what happens how many of you know that when God gave Moses the law in Exodus 20 that he spoke with an audible voice and everybody heard him did you know that because I know in Sunday school they said Moses went up got the law on the ta tables tablets and then he came down. But it didn't happen that way. Let me read it. Can I read it to you? Um, chapter 20. God spoke all these words saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and the house of bondage. And then he gives them the Ten Commandments. Verse 18. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. So when God came down on Mount Sinai, there was thunders and lightnings and an earthquake and smoke, and then they heard God speaking. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us, we will not hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children, you have seen that I have talked with you from heaven it's amazing so they were all around the mountain of god 
And 50 days after God brought them out of bondage and slavery, God speaks to them in an audible voice. And everybody here, God say, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not covet. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not do any work on the Sabbath. 50 days audibly, and everybody sees God's presence, and everybody hears God speaking. Isn't that amazing? Hello, are you still with me? All right, quickly go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, just, just to show you that it really happened that way. Because here's what Moses recalls. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Verse 22, because it, he recaps the Ten Commandments, the first uh, 20 verses, uh, 21 verses. Verse 22, these words the Lord spoke to all your assembly in the mountain from the midst of the fire, the cloud and the thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added no more and he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to you. So it was when you heard the voice of the, in the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire that you came near to me all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, surely, that's where they say to Moses, you go and talk to God. We, we can't stand hearing God's voice. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that God would come down on the mountain 50 days later and speak to them audibly. Now, here's the problem, though, because the next chapter, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4, 5, and 6, Here's something that's, even though they heard God speak audibly to them, here's what happens in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, 5, and 6. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Check it. Strength. Because the old covenant was about how they could keep it. All your strength. But then he goes on and he says, but this day I wanted these words to be on your heart. But we know that the words was not on their hearts. Where was the word of God? It was on a stone tablet. That was the problem with the old covenant is that even though they experienced God's presence, his voice, they saw everything, it was not a hard matter. It was, I got to try to keep this. That was the fault of the old covenant. And I want to I say that with respect. You hear what I'm saying? Because the old covenant, the law is good. Now, God gives them a promise of a new covenant. Do you know where that is? Jeremiah 31, who said Jeremiah, you did. Let's quickly go to Jeremiah 31, because I, I want you to see this. This is, this is amazing. We, we're celebrating Pentecostal Day. We're celebrating the new covenant. We just had the covenant meal. We just celebrated his body and his blood. But what is different for us today on Pentecostal Day than it was for them coming through the wilderness? And you got to understand, because that 40 years in the wilderness, there was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. 
There was God's presence was visible. He fed them every day. That, that's why what's so amazing to me in the story, Mark, is when Moses brings them out of Egypt, now conservatively they say between one and three million people. But even if it's just a million people, three days later they run out of water. How can you bring a million people out of bondage and there's not one guy thinking about the logistics? Is it? <laughs> it's, 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 it's a great lesson in faith. Because I just want, I so want to be so free from slavery in my mind that I don't care about the logistics. I just want to be free. But Moses brings them out. But here's the New Testament or the New Covenant, uh, Jeremiah 31, 31. Listen very carefully. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Now, how do I know that the fault was with them, not with the covenant? Because in Hebrews chapter 8, it says that finding fault with them, not with the covenant. Then if you go to Galatians, it says that the law was there to point us to Christ. I truly believe that God gave them the law to frustrate them to the point where they can, could say, isn't there anything better? And God says, yes, Jesus. Because he is the better way. But here's the old covenant. Verse 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Says Lord, I will put my law in their minds. And I will write it on their heart. So what's the difference between the old and the new? The old, the word of God was there, but it was on tables of, tablets of stone. In the new, his word is no longer on tablets of stone, but it's on the tablets of our heart. Are you with me? That's why Deuteronomy 6 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your Heart, all your strength, all your mind, and all your strength. But in uh, Matthew 22, when the Pharisees asked Jesus, what is the law and the prophets? This is what he says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Jesus changes that. Because in the new covenant, it's no longer you trying to do it. It is you surrendering your life. And allowing him to live his life through you. But with that, he writes his law on your heart and on your mind. Hello? Everybody still here? <laughs> so look at what happens. He says, I will write in their minds and I will write in their hearts. And I will be their God, their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. What a promise in the new covenant. So in the old, 50 days later, he comes visibly and he speaks audibly. And everybody hears him. Now let's go to Acts chapter 2 because that's actually where I wanted to start. This was just all history. Are you all still with me? All right. How much time do I have? Acts chapter 2. Here's what it says, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, 
They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire and sat on each and every one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. So what happened at Mount Sinai is going to get duplicated in the New Testament or in the New Covenant. Jesus dies the same night the Passover lamp was slain. Fifty days later, it's not Mount Sinai, but it's now Mount Zion, by the way, which is the New Covenant. And I'll give you scriptures for that. But 50 days later, in the upper room, the same thing happens. They saw thunderings. They saw lightnings. They heard God speaking. Here they see the sound or hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind because Jesus says in John chapter 3, the Holy Spirit is like a wind. You don't know where it comes from, where it's going. So the Holy Spirit comes in and this time God fills the people and it's not God's audible voice, but it's your audible voice, God speaking His voice through you. Hello? Because when they heard God's voice, they said, we can't stand listening to Him. So God knows that they will listen to you. <laughs> Go into all the world and be my witnesses. I love, what does John 1 verse 1 say? In the beginning was the? Who's the word? Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word, so the Word is God. He's the Word. But then in verse 21, John says, I'm the voice of one. See, he's still the Word, but you are his voice. Hello? So Pentecost is where, because when Jesus died, he brought us out of our spiritual slavery. That's the Feast of, Pente uh, feast of uh, Passover. He was our Passover lamp. He died for our sins. He paid. That's the outer court. That's the first feast. Fifty days later is Pentecost. And instead of Mount Sinai, he now it becomes Mount Zion, do you know that you're part of that church that's on Mount Zion? Because in Daniel, uh, Daniel's, the king has a dream, and Daniel interprets it for him. And he sees this huge statue, and without the help of a man's hand, he says, a little rock came loose and hit the statue and demolished it, and the little rock became a mountain that filled the earth. So in Daniel, it's a little rock. In Matthew chapter 5, the first reference Jesus makes to the church, he says, you are a city on a, a hill. So the rock became a hill. But in Hebrews chapter 12 says, we have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, to an innumerable company of angels, to the spirits of men made just, to the author. And the finisher 
of our faith. So every time we come together, oh, I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say. Every time we come together, we are the mountain of God. And when there's a mountain, God comes down in the mountain and He speaks to His people. Through you. Now, what does He do? In the New Covenant, He writes, Man, that was a good barbecue last night, by the way. <laughs> in the New Covenant, He writes His law on our hearts. That's his promise. Let me say this. If, if he writes his law on my heart, because how many of you would agree with me that the world out there does not read their Bible? Can I, can I change that? Do, how many of you agree with me that most people in the church don't read their Bible? Listen, they don't watch CNN. Uh, uh, not CNN, TBN. They watch CNN. <laughs> but they don't watch TBN. Listen, they'll watch a cartoon network long before they watch any Christian programming. Hello? What do they watch? They watch you. They watch how you act. They watch how you carry your testimony. They, they listen to what you say. So what is God, God's answer for that? Let me just write my law on their heart. So now you become the, 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 the word of God. And, and I've got to be careful how I say that. Because John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. But if he's in us, is he in you? If he's in you and he's the word, guess what you have in your heart? The word. Guess what they're going to read? Your life. <laughs> so, so, <sighs> ah. Guess what? Quickly turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Will you do that? I just want us to understand what Pentecost is about. Because it's about the empowerment that he gave us. Because Jesus said this. He said, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And after he has come upon you, you will be empowered to be my witnesses. Acts 1 verse 8. You shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses. Is that what it says? But here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says. Uh, let me just read it quickly. This is Paul writing. He says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Then he says, You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. So if you wrote the word in your heart, that you, you have more than one word in your heart, by the way, did you know uh, that you could not get born again without Jesus saying something? All right? I can show you that too. But So let me start with these people here because they blessed me last night with good food. 
so I, I really like them. <laughs> I told the people Friday night my spiritual gift is food. So, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. So, Lori, Jamie, Jamie, all right, I'm so bad with names. Jamie, do you have the Word of God in your heart? Written your, are you born again? Then you are. So you're part of the new covenant. Because that's the promise of the new covenant. I will write my law on your heart. I know it's your husband. Yes. Robert, do you have the word written on your heart? Yes. Bass player? Yes. All right. So if I have a word, word and a word, I get a sentence. Do you have the word written on your heart? Yeah. All right. Do, do you have the word written on your heart? Yeah. So if I, if I have a couple of words and I get a sentence, and you have another couple of words that makes a sentence, if I have a sentence and I have a sentence and I have a sentence, I get a paragraph. And if I have a paragraph and a paragraph and a paragraph and a paragraph, I get a, a chapter. And if I have a chapter, and I have a chapter, and I have another chapter, I get a, a book. What book do they read? Your life. How do I know, how do I know he was going to do that? Because that was the promise of the new covenant. How do I know the new covenant was established? Because Pentecost, and if you were here on Friday, I, sh I showed them out of Scripture, how Pentecost proves that the covenant has been established, the new covenant, and was fulfilled. So we have, we have the book of life here. Isn't it amazing in Revelations, he says, and the books were opened. Because we all are an epistle of Christ. Now, how many of you, if, if you go to the library and you, you, you take out books to read, every book has a different story and a different plot and different characters. That's what you are. Each one of you is a different story, a different character, a different plot in the story of God to the world. I, I like to read stuff that's uh, theological. I mean, you could have guessed that. Some other people like to read stuff that is that's to do with uh, a crime and what you call it suspense. And I mean, there's some even people that likes to read horror stuff. All right, that's your preference. Do you know that people out there has a preference on what they want to read, and God knows that, and then He puts you in front of their lives, and you are exactly the story they need to read. And then they go like, I like your story. Can you tell me more? I told last night when we left you guys, because I was sitting listening to what you were all talking around the campfire there. And, you know, one of my favorite things to do when I go to a restaurant is when they bring out your food, because there's either the people serving or the server that helped you or took your orders. They all, one of those two people are always there. And many times the server will come to make sure that you got the right order. And then I will say to the server, I say, we're about to pray. Uh, for our food. Is there anything I can pray for you? And in years of doing that, I've never had anyone say no. It is, yes, please, 
thank you, I appreciate that, or hey, can you pray for this? Which starts that conversation we were talking about last night. And all I'm doing is when they come to the table, I'm just opening the book. Like, you want to read this story? Hello, everybody still here? Because <laughs> that's how they get to be introduced to Jesus. Now, here's what happens. How many of you know 2 Corinthians 5.21? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, I'm a new creation. Is that what you are? You're a new creation. Do I need to read it? Everybody believes me. It, all right. It's in the Bible. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what are you? You are a new. So what happened when you got born again? You became a new creation. Do you understand what happened? Because how did God create in Genesis 1? He spoke the word. Light be. Now quickly take your Bible. Turn with me. James 1. James chapter 1. Verse 18. James 1 verse 18. I'm trying to find a place to land. It says this. Do you have it? Of his own will, I'm quoting from the King, New King James, of his own will he brought us forth. How? By a word of truth. How did he bring you forth? By a word of truth, which simply means if you're a new creation and he does, that's how God created by speaking, when you said yes, he said something about you. What was that something? He spoke the truth. John 8, 32, Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What God spoke over you that's written in your heart is the truth someone else needs to be set free. Are you tracking with me? I'm not done yet. 1 Peter 1, 23. You want to turn there quickly? Because we, we think, I just said yes to Jesus. You did but he, this, you're a new creation. He did the same thing he did in Genesis chapter 1. When he wanted to create, he spoke something. That's how God creates. So when you became a new creation, he spoke something. But not only did he speak, as he was speaking, Holy Spirit was writing it on your heart. 1 Peter 1.23, you are born not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed by the Word of God. So how did that word get on your heart? He spoke it. What did he say about you? Come on. Dude, I like you. <laughs> is that right? But that's the same word other people is going to read. Now what we've done in the church is we looked at people and we looked at their faults and their weaknesses and their mistakes. Instead of calling the word out of them. Pentecost is when God comes down and now 
speaks his word. He stole the word, but I become the, the voice. Because on the day of Pentecost, it says they heard them all speak the greatness of God. He's the word, I'm the voice. So it's Pentecostal Sunday today. Is that right? So let me just say this. You are God's chosen vessel to bring his word to the world. Why well, don't know? You got it in your heart. It's there. Let people see your life. Uh, I told them I was the night. I was sitting on the plane one time. I was sitting next to an atheist. And I was reading my Bible. And he goes like, you believe that junk? And so we had this conversation going. <laughs> and I said, absolutely. And he said, there's no way you can prove that what's in here is true. I said, I can. He said, how are you going to do that? I said, come and live with me for a month. Because this is not here. It's here. And if you leave my presence, you will have more of the word written on your heart. Because I am his story. You are his story. Last quote that I'll give. This John 1 verse 12, 13 and 14. Let me just bring it in perspective for you. John 1 verse 12. All who have accepted him, he gave the power to become. To become his sons and of God's children. Verse 13. Who were born, not of the will of man, nor the will of flesh, but the will of God. What's God's will? And the word became flesh. Where does the word become flesh? <laughs> it's also a prophecy about Jesus. Because he comes first. But if he's the head and I'm the body. If he's the head and I'm the body. Pentecost is this. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, when I came to you, I didn't come with persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. Power to do what? To be my witnesses. Do you know what a witness is? Anybody ever done jury duty in here? Do you know what jury duty is? You go and sit and you listen to the witnesses. And then you get to judge who's guilty and who's not guilty. That's jurors. Acts 1, it doesn't say, you shall receive power and you shall be my jurors. He says, you shall be my witnesses. What is a witness? You were there when it happened. If you weren't there, you can't be a witness. In essence... You shall receive power. That every time God moves, you will be present. And you will have a story to tell. It's so simple. The gospel is so simple. That's why I love that discussion last night. How can we do this? It's not difficult. You don't need an education, a theological education. Listen, I spent four years in seminary doing that. And it took me ten years to unlearn a lot of that stuff they taught me. Jesus just sets a demoniac free 
who runs around naked in the graves. And, and Jesus shows up and sets him free. And then he says to Jesus, I will follow you everywhere you go. And Jesus says, no. Go and tell about the great things God did for you. How much training did he get? How many encounters did he have? One encounter can change someone's life. You are God's encounter with somebody. That's what Pentecost is about. You shall receive power. So let's close your eyes. I want to pray for us. Before I do this, let me just ask. Is there anybody here? You've, you've never, because I don't know you, so I'm just going to make that invitation. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And you say, and we're not going to make an example of you or embarrass you. This is, it. I'm not scared to talk about that because it's, a, everybody should know if you have. But you've never made a decision and just say, God, I want to follow you with all, everything in my life. I want to surrender my life. Is there anybody like that? I would love to pray with you. Everybody good with that? That's fantastic. Here's my next question. How many of you want more? <laughs> How many of you just want to be the word manifest, the word flesh? I love what Jesus said. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I want to say the same thing. If you see me, you see who my papa is. Now, I know there's some, some flaws I need to work on. I'm not saying I'm there yet, but I want to be there. I want to be the place where if people see me, they go like, there's something different about you. I want that. So can I get the worship team? I wrote I'm up. Just play that, um, the holy song. <laughs> you don't have to sing. I you can, can just play it. Worthy is the Lamb oh, yes. that was slain. Yes. Uh, here's what I want to do. Um, I would love to lay hands on you and just pray for you. So while Ira is playing that, and nobody, you don't have to come out. If you want more, you said, yeah. This is just my sign in front of everybody to show everybody I'm after more. Then we're just going to line up here, and I'm going to ask Mark and you and Jane, and I don't know who the other eldership or leaders are. You are more than welcome to come and help me pray, please. Let's just soak them. If you're a leader in the church, come up here. Thank you, Robert. Come up here, we, you know, because it's not because of me. It's because of Jesus, and we all have him. So whether I pray for you or one of them pray for you, just come and just say more. I just want more. we got a great team here this morning. So let's just close our eyes. Papa, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Can you just where you are, just close your eyes. This is between you and God. I want the Holy Spirit to touch you this morning. This is, this is not, I don't want to touch you. You don't need to get anything from me. You need to get everything from the Holy Spirit this morning. So just where you are, just close your eyes and just start connecting with Him. Just feel His presence. His presence is in this house. It's been here since we got here this morning. I love the psalm that she read this morning uh, just when we started. She read the second part of that psalm. The first part of that psalm says, Who can ascend the heel of the Lord? Those with a pure heart and clean hands. And then He says, 
Who is this Lord? Who is this Lord? Strong and mighty. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and let the King of glory come in. That's my prayer for you right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Let the King of glory come in. Let the King of glory come in. Just write your word on the heart.